Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 55. Thank you so much for coming to listen. I am Megan Carranza. If you have been listening, welcome. If it is your first episode, thanks for stopping on by and checking out the pod. I just have to say, once again, thank you so much to everybody who has reached out and sent messages and written reviews especially the ones on Apple Podcast. Those really do help people to find the show. And this past week, uh, as usual, I'm just hearing from so many of you. And it's honestly, it's just incredible. And I'm so thankful, especially as we are nearing the one-year anniversary of Adventures in Autism. The one-year episode is actually coming out next week. So, Wow, that's just crazy to think about. So stay tuned for that. Very exciting. But today's episode is a really good one. I can't wait for you guys to hear this one. My guest is Kyle Jetzel, who is an autism dad. He has six children. Wow. (laughs) He deserves a credit just for that alone. Um, And then he has two, two of his sons are on the spectrum. So he talks all about their journey. He is just a delight and so open and honest. I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. This is definitely an emotional episode. Kyle and I both cried, (laughs) which it's not very hard to get me to cry, but he definitely had me, had me getting misty. So I can't wait for you guys to hear because I just think there's a lot of just valuable insight and Kyle sharing his journey is, it just really touched my heart. So I'm super excited for you guys to listen. I do want to give a warning. Kyle and I had extreme technical difficulties. (laughs) I don't know. Is Mercury in retrograde or what? Because I've been having some like major, major technical issues, which it's, I feel like it's always a challenge for me, but Kyle and I, we were like cursed. So I'm just glad, honestly, that this episode is coming out. Uh, But I do want to forewarn, there is some audio issues, especially towards the end. There's kind of a weird echo, not from Kyle, but from me. So you can hear him pretty clearly, but I, my, my voice is coming in kind of echoey. Again, I think the important thing is the message in the show and this message is, is so good. And again, Kyle comes in really clearly, which to me is more important because you guys hear me yipping and yapping every week. So (laughs) you're probably like, okay, Megan, that's enough. Um, but anyway, this, like I said, this episode, the message is so clear and I think it's so important. And I know you guys will enjoy listening to everything Kyle has to say. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. Kyle, we have had so many technical difficulties, so I'm really excited to to finally have you on so we can talk about your journey. I was telling you before we started, I, I had just recently come across your account, and I was so moved that I was like, I have to get, get you on the podcast. 
I love hearing from autism dads too. So I'm super excited uh, just to hear your story. So if you will kind of take us back to the beginning of your journey with autism and what that was like for your family, I'd love to hear it. That sounds good. I'd be happy to do that. So Megan, I think our story might be a little different than, than some of the ones you normally hear. Of course, everybody says that, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have, we have six kids uh, and our, our two sons that are on the autism spectrum are our two middle sons. Our two oldest are typical boys. They range, our kids range from 25 years old uh, down to we have 11 year old twins. And uh, one of them is a girl. So we have five sons and one daughter. Um, but we, you know, we, I think we started, you know, our journey is, it kind of started with, you know, when my wife and I first got married, we really, we really wanted to have, and I think we all want this. We want a happy home where the kids love being there and there's a lot of happiness and joy and laughter in our homes. And I came from an, uh, from a world of a lot of stress. And so, um, for me, it was really important that I work hard to minimize stress and really and, and create a, a happy, loving home. And so, uh, when my wife and I first got married, we really discussed this and we read a lot of books on parenting and, you know, we worked hard to kind of create that. And with our first two sons, things seemed to be going pretty good. I mean, uh, they seemed to be pretty good boys, well-adjusted um, and, and things were floating along and, and we thought we had it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we had our number three son and at about, and he was a little bit delayed and there were some things going on we weren't, uh, we weren't sure about. But then at about the age of three, he really started tipping into some uh, crazy behaviors. Uh, you know, there was a biting and scratching and kicking and screaming. And this is something that that we were really concerned because all the parenting methods we had used on our on our older two sons just did not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing that we could seem to do to really help him and lower the stress. And about that time, when he was about four, um, a friend of ours uh, said, Hey, have you ever thought about getting him diagnosed and see if, you know, he's on the autism spectrum. And at that time, this is 17 years ago. And so that we really didn't have the information out there that we do now. And to us, autism at that time was, was the only thing we knew was maybe a, a kid sitting in a wheelchair and stemming. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much what everybody thought autism was. So we were a little confused by that, but at that point we were uh, in real peril and so we, we took him to be diagnosed. And when he was diagnosed with autism, um, it, it was kind of a, it was kind of comforting to my wife. And I remember looking at her and she looking at me and we think, oh, good. Now we know, you know, what we're up against and we can get him the help he needs. And so then we thought, well, now we can go out and, you know, and get him the therapies and get him specialists and, and get our happy family back. And, and so we started that process and, and, you know, turns out it didn't really work out that way. I mean, we appreciated all they did for him and, and for our family, but it really didn't lower stress. It didn't, he was still having outbursts and, and tantrums and, uh, you know, um, you know, still the biting and the scratching and the, I mean, all those things that we thought that the therapies and the specialists would help us overcome were still there. And as he got bigger and stronger, it started to become worse and worse. And, and I'll never forget one Saturday morning, um, it kind of came to a head with us as a family. Um, it was about six thirty in the morning and, and we were, he woke us up by screaming this blood curdling scream. And I'm, I'm sure some of your listeners have heard this scream, right? Oh, and, yeah. and it, it can be anything from a missing Lego piece, right. To, uh, uh, to a hair out of place. It really doesn't matter what it is, but it, at six thirty in the morning, it woke our family up. And, and this was one of those really bad meltdowns, you know, typically, 
a meltdown can last anywhere from 15 minutes, maybe to an hour. And this was one of those four hour ones, right? So we were really struggling. His two older brothers were hiding in their room, trying to stay out of the, out of the way. You know, he was throwing anything he could pick up. It was just, it was really difficult. And, and it was really stressful. And my wife and I were, you know, every time we think we'd get him calmed down, he would start to ramp back up. And, and so after about four hours, we finally got him to a place where he was, you know, quietly sitting, uh, playing with Legos. And I think when you're, when you're put under that kind of stress and it's starting to build and grow in your family, uh, sometimes you look for somebody to blame. Mm-hmm. And, and my wife and I did what I think a lot of parents do is they kind of turned on each other. We turned on each other. And I remember, you know, she yelling at me, if you would have done this and if you wouldn't have said that and you're too hard on him and, and, you know, and I'm like, well, you're too easy on him. You let him get away with two, you know, and it was just one of these things where it was, it was really a battle between us. And, and my wife is, um, I come, I come from a kind of an, a, I come from a kind of an aggressive background, uh, you know, where uh, I come from a bad neighborhood where, you know, the threat of violence and, and those kind of things was really a, a, an effective tool. And my wife is really very feminine and, and calm and, and, and quiet but this was, she was fighting back this time. And I remember uh, our argument just wasn't ending. And so, you know, in an effort to kind of, to kind of calm things, I thought, well, I'm, I'm just leaving. You know, I said, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And she said, I wish you would. And I remember turning around and walking out towards my car and I had my keys in my pocket and I thought, this is not what I signed up for. You know, I mean, I've done everything. I've tried everything. There's, I don't know what else to do. And at that moment, I had this thought, you know, I'm just going to get in my car and I'm going to leave and I'm not coming back. And, and looking back, I think my wife would have been very happy with that at that moment because the, the stress and the, our relationship had, had uh, disintegrated in my relationship with my two older boys because of the stress. You know, anytime, anytime he would have a meltdown, I would turn to them and say, what'd you guys do? Right. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they didn't have to do anything. It wasn't, it wasn't them. It wasn't us. It was, our, our son was just overstimulated in some cases. And so, you know, standing there at the door, um, you know, ready to get in my car and never come back. I remembered a moment in my life where um, now I'm going to get emotional because this is a. Oh, man, you're making me emotional over here, Kyle. <laughs> so um, a moment uh, popped into my mind, a thought that of a lesson my father had taught me when I was about 13 years old popped into my mind. And. In that moment, it was when I was about 13, I was playing at a baseball game and um, there was two outs and all we needed was one out to finish the game. And they hit the ball to me and I, and I fumbled it. I made an error. And the next guy got a hit and the next guy got a hit and the next guy got a hit. And we ended up losing the game. And afterwards, I went to my dad and I said, I wish they hadn't hit the ball to me because then we could have won. And my dad said, you know what, Kyle, that's not how we live our lives. We don't ever want to pass the buck for our, our happiness or our success to anybody else. We never back down. We stand up to and face challenges. You want every ball of every game hit to you. And that's the way we live. And that's what we want. And I remember thinking, you know, that that's great for a ball game, but this is real. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to do. But I thought, you know what? I can't. I'm not. I know I'm supposed to be here with my family. I know we're supposed to stay together, but I just don't know what to do. I don't. I've tried everything. There's nothing left. This is our new life, and it's just 
we can't live like this because it's going to, it's going to ruin our family. And so I, I did another thing my father had taught me to do when I was a kid. And that's to, to just, to just pray, mm-hmm. to fall to my knees and pray and ask for guidance and, and make a plan and, and really ask that, that the plan is the plan that, that I should be following. So I, there was a big pecan tree in our front yard and I walked over under the pecan tree and I just started praying. And I don't remember what I prayed about and I don't remember much of it, but I, I, I remember one thing distinctly and well, two things. One is that don't leave, make it work. Mm-hmm. The second one I remember is that I just felt like the problem is not your son on the spectrum and it's not your wife and it's not your typical kids. The problem is you, this is your deal. You've got to figure it out. And so, you know, I turned around and I walked back inside and I think my wife must've seen me under that pecan tree because you know, her, she had changed a little bit too. And I, I never really talked to her about this much, but I think she had seen me and I said, you know what, this isn't what I signed up for. And she said, well, it's not what I signed up for. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to figure out a way for us to be a happy family. And I said, will you help me? And she said, well, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Right. She was at that point. She was, I think she thought I was the problem. I'm sure she thought I was a problem. And I think I was, but and, and that was really the day that we decided, or I decided, that no matter what, I was going to bring back happiness, and I was going to do what it took to do that in our family. And so um, it, that was really the day that I, I realized that I controlled my happiness, and I controlled my responses, and I controlled how I dealt with difficult situations, and I wasn't dealing with them very well. Mm-hmm. And that was the day that I started creating really a curriculum for our family and it's interesting that, uh, you know, initially my wife was like, you know, she'd put her hands up like, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. Right. Because I, I you know, looking back, I realized I was the one that she felt like I created the problem. So when I came with solutions, she said, that won't work. Right. You don't understand. You don't, you're not here all day long with me. You don't deal with the things that I deal with. And I really had to find outside sources to present to her that we could work on together. And so that's kind of, kind of the, you know, the backstory of kind of how we, you know, decided to make a change and really started looking for answers for our problems. Kyle, I am weeping (laughs) over here. No, I'm so emotional as it is. Um, You, you said so much that truly touched my heart. Um, And I, I, I so understand that feeling of like, I didn't sign up for this. I'm going to have to like breathe. Um, Because, you know, as a parent, you, especially like for you, you had two older sons. So you think like, I got this, I know what I'm doing. And then autism comes along and it just rattles your core. You know, it just, it shakes everything. And I remember feeling that way when I was kind of starting to come to terms with, with my son being on the spectrum because he was, just an angel baby. He was the sweetest little baby. And like the first year of his life was like truly bliss. And I I couldn't have been happier. And then, then we started, you know, noticing the speech delay and there were some other kind of behaviors that were concerning and, you know, reality was kind of setting in. And I remember when he started early intervention, it was before he even turned to having a conversation with one of my friends and saying to her, you know, I thought I was just going to have 
this, you know, typical, happy, healthy, perfect little baby boy. That's, that's what I had. And I'm like, I didn't sign up for, you know, these special needs. And looking back now, I want to shake myself and slap myself and say, it's fine. <laughs> you know, you're going to be fine. Sure. But I, sure. I so I so that resonates so deeply with me. And also the things you were saying about you and your wife, because my husband and I, I, I think that we are, we're lucky that I think this has kind of brought us together as opposed to bringing us apart. Cause I can totally see how that happens, but we do the same thing where I go, you're too hard on him. And he says, you're too soft on him. And we do that with all the kids. That's just like, right. yeah. So we're, we're always balancing, <laughs> trying to find that happy medium. Um, thank you for sharing all that. That was so amazing. So, okay. So then tell me going forward, then you decided to make this change. What did that look like for your family? You know, uh, I realized I had an experience a, a few years back that I, that I modeled for myself in this case. And, and, uh, the experience I had a few years back was, uh, you know, I think I mentioned growing up, I grew up in the hood. <laughs> I grew up, I, I grew up hard. I grew up, uh, with little to no money. Um, and for me, I had, you know, the Kyle that my wife married, and I'm sure she planned on changing me was, uh, was an emotionless, aggressive, you know, uh, I mean, it was an inner city kid, right. That fought for everything he had. And so, um, you know, I was, I was always willing to fight. The problem is I might've been willing to fight in the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. Where did you, and so I, was, curious. I, I grew up in the inner city of Dallas in an oh. area called Oak. Okay. Yeah. I definitely hear that twang. Yeah, I got a little bit of a ghetto Texas no, accent. No, no. It's kind of unique. <laughs> and so, you know, so for my wife, I think for me, it was like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm just going to fight through this, right? I'm going to fight through this. The problem with that is, is the fight was making me bitter and angry and, and difficult to deal with. You know, I'm going to fight for his, for the rights of my son. And I'm going to fight to get him every, you know, therapy and, and specialist. And I'm going to, and so it was really it, I became a bitter man mm-hmm. because I felt like it was me against the world and I was going to defeat the world. And, and, and up until that moment, I think I had just been uh, pushing everyone away and creating, you know, this angry uh, persona or, you know, it was really my natural inclination was to be this way. And so I think I was just getting more and more difficult to deal with for the world ultimately. And, and, you know, my wife and my, my typical boys, and so um, I had an experience uh, a few years earlier where I, I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about somebody and I shared an experience with him and he said, you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a pessimistic thing to say. And I said, well, I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I can make anything happen, right? If I can think it, I can make it happen. I'm an optimist. And he said, I said, but I'm also a realist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what I'm working with here. And he said, well, realist is what was what pessimists call themselves is what he told me. <laughs> and it, and it just hit me between the eyes because he's a good friend of mine. And so I went and got a book called, you know, how to become an optimist. Right. And I, I read it and I thought, okay, I got this. And I, you know, I thought I, I thought I had it until a couple of weeks later and I was talking to him again. And he said, you know, I, he said, there you go with your pessimistic attitude again. And it really frustrated me. So I went back and took the book and I broke it down into 10 lessons. And each week I focused on a specific lesson. And that was it, right? I couldn't focus on the entire picture. I had to focus on one specific thing. Mm-hmm. And after about six or seven weeks, everybody started to notice a difference in me. 
and and it became part of the core of who I was, right? Instead of just reading a book and going, I got this, now I actually was applying that information in a way that that changed me into what I was trying to become. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to model that, and we're going to do this as a family. And so, you know, week I'll never forget week one, I got my family together on a Sunday night, my wife and I and my two oldest sons, and they were probably, you know, nine and seven at the time. And I said, this week, we're going to have a focus on this. And we're going to serve. Uh, Eric is my son's name that's on the autism spectrum. And I said, if he does this, we're going to do this. And if he does this, we're going to do this. And we're all going to work together. And we're going to print this little worksheet off. We're going to stick it all over the house. Right. And that's going to be our weekly focus. And so we did that the entire week. And we really, you know, every night said, how'd you do? How'd you do? And we really motivated each other. And and then the following Sunday, we sat down and we would ask three questions. And the questions were, uh, you know, how did we do with our weekly focus? What could we do better? And we didn't say, we didn't critique each other because it's easy to right, do that. You know, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. So we didn't do that. We just said, how did we do? And we asked ourselves that question, what could we do better? And then we created a new focus for the following week. And so what was interesting is as we started to do this, uh, it started to become a, a core part of who each of us was, not just me, but my wife and my two older sons. And we started really working together to create an atmosphere of happiness and joy. Even when things went wrong, we had a plan for what we would do when those things went wrong in certain situations. And over a period of time, the whole, the whole feeling in the house started to change. Mm-hmm. And really through that process came up with a couple of rules for our strategies and anything we were trying. And those rules were, we're always going to do what's best for our family, even if it's really, really hard, uh, long-term, right? So we would make decisions based on long-term family happiness, even if it was really hard. And sometimes it was, right? It's easier just to shut the door and turn around and leave a situation than it is to, to resolve it. The second rule was we're always going to do what's best for our, our brother and our sons on the spectrum, even if it's really hard, long-term, right? And that meant we had to make decisions sometimes that created unhappiness in him and stretched him and pushed him because we knew long-term that would be what he really needed mm-hmm. uh, as functional as he could be. And the third uh, rule we had was we're always going to do it in the spirit of love. And that one was really the one that really started to change how we viewed him mm-hmm. and viewed each other our family because you know you can do hard things but if you do it in a spirit of love it just feels different yeah and I think and that's really kind of how we created it we created a curriculum for ourselves to repair the damage that we had done in our family now the interest and on the spectrum that we now have two sons by the way on the spectrum one is more mm-hmm. severe is a little bit more uh more capable mm-hmm. um but um, as we moved forward, his, his behavior didn't change as much as our reaction to his behavior changed. Yeah. And what ended up happening is he would, he would go into a meltdown, and previously we would all freak out, right? I mean, my kids would run away. My wife and I would get frustrated or fight or flight, you know, whatever it is we did. And, and, when he, and it changed from that to being when he went into a meltdown – we became very productive. We'd say, okay, what, what's the most productive thing I can do for him at this very moment? 
And it's really, that's one of uh, the lessons we teach is we call it thriving in chaos, which is it's easy to talk about what you're going to do when times get hard, but it's not so easy to do it, right? Everybody's got great advice. What should I do when my son has a meltdown in public? Everybody's got great advice. Nobody can do it real time, right? right? That's the hard part. So that's what we really started working on is how do we best serve him? You know, how do, be, how do we become our best when he needs us the most? And that's usually when he's at his worst. And so that curriculum, the curriculum we built for our families now, the one we share with other families who are struggling because we've seen it over and over. It doesn't really matter the diagnosis. It doesn't really matter you know, your family dynamics, what matters is that you control your reactions. And once you start to learn how to manage yourself in the best way possible, when things get difficult, it changes the dynamics of, of who you are and how you're perceived by your kids on the spectrum and your entire family. Oh, you are like just speaking to my heart. I, <laughs> I, I just, so I so agree with everything that, that you're saying and I think especially the thing about when you're like everyone's got great advice but like who can really do it when it's go time that's hard it's hard to, to implement that and, and to put that into play so the fact that you guys have been able to do that is incredible um, I and I love what you said about just like always coming from that place of love I, I feel like how you were saying like your, your natural inclination was to be like you know kind of angry and like want to fight about stuff I like I have that fight in me for sure but I'm like such a lover and I always have been like, I'm just like one of those like bleeding heart kind of people. So I think for me, like that, that is my natural inclination is to like come from a place of love. Like when, when somebody comes at me, like I'm like, somebody hurt you and it wasn't me. You know what I mean? Like, that's just always my, my thought when, when I, when there's a, an issue like that. So, and I feel like there so often I have listeners reach out to me and say, you're so positive. I'm, I, I'm so thankful for your positivity. And like, granted, I have moments where I'm, I'm not feeling positive. Like they, they definitely happen, but I, 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 I needed to hear this right now too. Cause I feel like I've been in kind of a, a funk lately with summer ending and school starting. There's been a lot happening and it's been kind of tough, but I totally agree with sure. what you're saying. Cause it's like, and, then, and that's kind of what I try to tell people, but you just said it much better than I can is, you know, finding that positivity within yourself and, you know, then, then projecting that onto your children on the spectrum or not, it's, it can be difficult, but what it really is, is like you said, it's coming from a place of love. It's just giving yourself that love, giving your kids that love, and just always trying to like exude that. And I feel like if you, if you can do that, if you can find that within yourself, that's like lightning in a bottle and that changes everything. Right. Right. And you know, it's, it's interesting to me because you know, about a year or so ago, I had a friend, uh, I came across a friend who hadn't seen me since around high school, uh, a little bit afterwards, and I bumped into him randomly. And we had a quick conversation. And it was so good to see him, you know, and I hadn't seen him in years. And, and he called me, I gave him my phone number, and he called me uh, two or three weeks later. And he said, Kyle, I got to tell you, you're not the same dude. <laughs> I don't know. He said, he said, you know, and he, and he shared with me some stories that he had of me as a kid. And, you know, he used words like brutal and rough and even violent. And he said, you just didn't have any of that in your nature. Mm -hmm. You just don't seem to have that in your nature. And I said, boy, you, it, it's, it's, I just, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, you can only suppress it for so long, but it, 
I don't really think it's in my nature as much anymore. I'm sure somebody could bring it out, but it would be really hard, you know, but I've come from a, a place of, of that guy who's kind of scary to a, a, a completely, and, and only because I was forced to make those changes in my life to really create a world where, you know, our family could thrive. Mm-hmm. And, and just so you'll know, my, we now have, you know, years later, I would, I would suggest you have top 1% happy families in this world. And my wife and I went and uh, we moved our uh, checking accounts over recently to a new bank. And as we were sitting there, this is just recently, we were sitting there uh, chatting and the lady was helping us, you know, move our accounts. And, and she said, are you two newlyweds? <laughs> and, and my wife and I just started laughing because we've been married 28 years. Oh, wow. And she said, I, I see newlyweds come in sometimes and they're, they're like you. They, I can tell how much you love each other. And it's because we've worked together and we've, we've combined forces. And, you know, we tell each other sometimes the kids will get a little crazy and start doing stuff. And, and she'll turn to me and she'll say, they're not getting in between us, Kyle. There's, it's us against them. <laughs> and, you know, and that attitude of, of her making me most important and me making her most important is, is really a powerful thing because then it, it allows us to work together to manage any difficult situations that may arise. Oh boy. That, that is really good advice. I feel like that is something that, like I said, I think autism can, or any special needs, it's, it's hard. It's hard in a family and it's hard in a marriage. And I think, yeah, what you guys have managed to do is really remarkable because, you know, all, all those years later, and especially like coming from that really difficult place where, like you said, you were ready to leave and she was okay with that to then turn it around. And, and I, that is so cute that she's really <laughs> that is so cute. You guys are, yeah, you're, you're definitely on the right track. My, I feel like I, I said it before, my husband and I, I think we've, we've, been able to come together through all of this um but at the same time i i know that we we have more work to do we've been married for seven years going on eight years um and we definitely i don't think anyone would think we're newlyweds at this point (laughs) and they'd be like oh wow we've been married for a long time (laughs) and i'll tell you if as you figure things out and as you start working together to you know serve your kids properly and, and really and that's what it's about you know i mean um, when you start to do that together and you, you, you draft a plan that you're working on together and you support each other in it, it's, um, it's interesting how it brings you, you know, you become more vulnerable with each other and you start to, you know, my, my, uh, my kids, this is fun. You'll, you'll laugh at this. My kids all know that if we're all in a boat and it goes down and, and a lot of people don't like it when I say this, but it's, it's reality. And I've got to save one. It's my wife, right? <laughs> and my kids now. And my kids, you know, they know I love them, and they and they know that. But they also know that she is so much more important than any of the rest of you suckers, you know. And it's funny because they they laugh about that, but they realize how the relationship between between she and I is the core mm-hmm. of the love that we can give to them. And and it to me, it's just so very important for them to 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 grow up in a situation where they can see it. They have a model of, of a husband and wife that love each other. And, and just so you'll know, it's, it's hardest when they're the littlest mm-hmm. because you're still, you're still forming them in the way 
you know, they're, they, they, they're still kids and they do what kids do. Right. I mean, um, and so that's when it's the hardest because you're still going through, you know, the, the getting them started and the raising them problem. But I can tell you one of the things that we did as a family that really helped that was, was we drafted this plan between my wife and I, and my two older sons, and we would take, uh, you know, we would take our, our kids out in public and they would do the wackiest, craziest zany. So, so one of the things we decided to do, uh, you know, as our kids were out in public doing things that may be, you know, kind of slightly embarrassing or cause people. Is we decided to start blogging about the crazy, silly, wacky things they did. And, and it really was helping other people to know they were not alone. And I'll never forget uh, when I realized it was working and it was becoming a positive thing in our family was we took our son to Burger King Playland and we had just taught him. Um, we had just got him to, to really buy into the fact that uh, he hated to wear clothes. So he'd run around the house in his underwear at home. But the minute we went outside, he had to put on a pair of pants. And so we had just got him doing this and he was rolling along pretty well. And we took him over to Burger King Playland and he climbed up in the very top. And I'll never forget, I saw his pants slide down the slide and he wasn't in. Uh, and he's way too old to be doing this. He might have been seven or eight at the time, kind of a bigger kid. And I look up at the top of the of the Burger King slide and he's turned with his rear end towards me and he's slapping his rear end, you know, and he's talking about his bahooki, right? And and my son, my older son turned to me at that moment and he said, hey, dad that's going to make a great story for our blog, isn't it? Right. And we, we kind of, we kind of went from saying, Oh no, to, Oh yes. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. we realized at that moment that we would get to share these things with others who may have experienced something similar. And, and so it really kind of, instead of, then we started taking them out and when he did funnier, wackier, zany stuff, we weren't embarrassed. And if people stared, we would say, of course they're going to stare. I mean, he just, he just tried to wipe the, you know, we, I, <laughs> he, he was walking through a, a Chick-fil-A one time and there was a Hindu family in there. And one of the gentleman was a little bit shorter and he walked up to him and he saw he had a red dot on his forehead. So my son walked up to him and licked his thumb and attempted to wipe off the red oh. dot off this guy. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I mean, and immediately, me and my wife are like, Oh no. But then we went, Oh yes, this is going to be right. He's just being who you he is. Right. Laugh. You really do. Well, you have to laugh because we realize we're going to laugh later anyway. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just enjoy those moments? And it really kind of changed the way we viewed how other people view us. Mm-hmm. Right. We went from being nervous about taking him into public and worried that people were going to stare to hoping that some craziness would ensue and people would stare and we'd get to write the stories. Right. <laughs> and so it was really, it was a dynamic change for us as a family because we, we started to learn to accept them for who they are and the rest of the world didn't matter. Right. What mattered is that they felt comfortable to be themselves and, and we would, we would correct those behaviors, but certainly, you know, not, it's not the end of the world when they say something, you know, that's a little off color or weird mm-hmm. It's just who they are and they need to feel free to, to express themselves. However, they're, they're best able to do that. Absolutely. I, I always say that I said it when I first started the podcast that, you know, autism is, is heavy and there's times when it feels heavy and it feels difficult, but 
there there's such a a joy that comes from somebody being their most authentic self and just not giving a damn what other people think and i that's right so i i hear stories like that and i just smile because that reminds me of logan he would do he would i I don't know if he would lick the try to lick off the the red dot but you never know what he would do and we just laugh we're just like that's that's logan and we we love him for it we love him for all those quirks um exactly oh my gosh kyle okay really quick i do i do want you to tell you posted recently about shaving your son like shaving his face and i was telling you before that that really, really touched me. Will you kind of talk about that a little bit and like what inspired you to post that? Yeah, so, um, you know, one of the things I get to do for my son, he's now 20, is is shave him. He won't use an electric razor because it's overstimulating for him, uh, but I'm not going to let him handle a straight razor on his own. It's just out of the question. And so I, I get to shave him. And the interesting thing about my son now is he's 20 years old and for the past, maybe since he was about 13 and hit puberty, he just has not liked me, right? I'm, I'm the, the buck stops with me, right? I'm the disciplinarian. I force him to do things that are out of his comfort zone. Mm -hmm. If he, if he has anxiety about things, I, I force him into that anxiety because I want him to know he's capable. And so I'm the guy that makes him uncomfortable, right? and, and makes him eat his dinner. And, you know, so for that reason, you know, and I think in his mind, I'm just the, the, the dude, right. The bad, the bad dude guy that I'm the bad guy, you know, and, and ultimately I do it because I love him and because I want him to be as, as capable and as functional as he can mm-hmm. be. But the side effect is that sometimes he avoids me, you know, he'll see me in a room and walk away. He'll, if I, if I sit next to up to, if I sit next to him in a, you know, we go to a restaurant and I sit next to him. He moves. He, he's very obvious in his disdain for me. And so sometimes it's painful. I, say, I mean, that has to hurt. I'm sure it does. I would, you know, I do more for that kid than anybody does for anybody. And it, and it you know, so sometimes it hurts and I, and I have to continually, you know, check myself and say, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. I love him. He knows I love him. And that's what's, that's what's really important. But the one thing that I get to do is I get to shave him. And I say I, I get to shave him because, you know, some, some people might think, well, that's a pain to shave your 20-year-old son. But I don't really get to be very close to him at all and really get to show him affection because he won't allow it. And so, you know, three or four times a week, he'll take a shower and he'll, he'll come down and point at his face and I get to go upstairs and I hand him the, the cream and he rubs it all over his face and he's very meticulous. It's on there. Perfect. Right. So he'll spend 10 minutes putting that, that cream on his face perfectly. And before he'll let me touch him, right. He wipes it, cleans it, fixes it. And I get to stand right next to him with the razor and he lets me stand very close. Right. And then I get to touch him on his shoulder as I, as I shave him. And I, and it's the only time I really get to show him affection. Mm-hmm be very close to him in a way and he and he's okay with that and I think he he bears it because he has to but for me it's it's a it's kind of a treat Mm -hmm. you know because he kind of avoids me otherwise and so you know and and this all comes from one of our lessons is we call it the get philosophy right there's a lot of things in your life that you have to do 
And you're either going to get frustrated or get angry or get discouraged because you have to do things or you're going to get, you know, uh, you're going to get better and get stronger and get, you know, and grow and get a lesson from it. And so in our family, we've decided this get philosophy means if you're going to have to do something, get everything you can from it, right? Go ahead and, and absorb every good thing. So if, if hard things happen in your life, and they are for all of us, you can get frustrated, you can get discouraged, or you can get better. You can learn a lesson. You can grow as a human being. You know, you can really find ways in every event in your life to absorb all those good things. And so, you know, that was just an example of, of the get philosophy in our family, which is, I, it does not bother me that I'll raise him until I'm gone. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's to me, uh, and, and this is going to sound self-righteous and I don't want it to, but there's nothing more. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything in this world that is more valiant than service to another human being. Mm-hmm. And, and especially if that human being is your own son or your own, you know, or somebody you love, mm-hmm. right. It's more valiant than serving that person. And I don't think there is anything more valiant than that. And so for me, the idea that I'll raise him until I'm gone is perfectly fine with me. That's what, that's what life is about is about service to other people that you love mm-hmm. and even to people that you don't love. And so, you know, I just posted that video. He doesn't let me catch him doing things very often on video. So I set that camera up. And if you watch that video, you'll see him look in the camera a few mm-hmm. times and he has a scowl on his face and his eyebrows are furrowed. But you know, the bottom line for me is, is I think a lot of parents look at, at a lifetime of service as a, maybe as something they weren't prepared for. And maybe it's something that might seem to be overwhelming, but I don't feel like that. I feel like this is something that I get to do for the rest of my life. And I'm okay with that. And I'm happy to do that because it shows him on a consistent basis, how much I love him. Kyle, you're getting me all misty again. (laughs) Yeah. You're doing it to me too. Oh my goodness. I, you know, like I said, when I, when I saw that video, it just, it touched my heart and it's something I think about because my son is only six. So obviously, you know, shaving is not a part of our life at this point, but I think about that all the time. I think that, you know, who knows where he'll be at that point, but I think about my husband or I being the ones to shave him. And I just, I love that mentality. I get to do this and I get to be there for my kid. And it's so funny that you say that about, you know, raising a life because I've joked before that I'm, I'm like one of those, I'm like a total helicopter mom. I'm like that mom that's just like on top of my kids. I want to cuddle them 24 seven. I want to kiss them 24 seven. And I, I joke sometimes, I'm like, I think God gave me a child with special needs. So I would have someone to mother and, and be (laughs) of his life because I, I, I don't know if there will come a time when you know, Logan won't need me. I think he'll, he'll need me forever, but the truth is I need him just as much. So, you know, and and I I love what you said there. And it's, it's really interesting to me because God gave you him because you need someone to cuddle for the rest of your life. Right. And I'm just, just the opposite for me. God gave me my sons because I needed to change. I, I, I was not my best self until he forced me to really figure out who I could become and, and, you know, in serving him, I think I've, there's been a change in me that is the change that there, there's no other way this change could have happened. Mm-hmm. No other way that I could have ever 
gotten to this point of being this happy and this content and this fulfilled in my responsibilities other than just to, to have this, this certain situation happen that really forced me to do this, this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm so grateful that that's happened. Autism will do that to you. It will, it will change it. If you never know. Absolutely. <laughs> Kyle. Oh my God. You, you have given me so much in this conversation. I feel like I my cup is very full. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, find you. Yeah. So if you, if you want to connect with me, we have a Facebook page called page called autism thriving chaos. Um, there's, just so you'll know, there's over a thousand videos on there now. Uh, <laughs> and I, I never meant to do that, but, you know, as, as the more we started to have success, the more we started to share and we just want to share our success with other people. And, and the reason you, you'll see those videos of us having fun and us is because first of all, we want you to know it's possible because we didn't think it was possible at one point. And second, um, we want we want to give you tips and techniques and strategies that'll help you as a family, because nothing makes our head explode more than to see other families start to thrive like we are. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a thousand videos, there's, you, you'll see, I post on there almost every day and I've been doing it for three or four years now. And it's just been a tremendous, it's a wonderful thing. I think part of that has been my, my video diary and my blogging diary of our life. Yeah. And being, being able to allow other people to see that and benefit from that. You know, my wife and I have this picture on our wall. It's a, when we first started the process, you know, we, we drew a little picture of our faces, a little stick figure that was sad, you know, the face was sad. And, and then we started to learn a few things and we had this kind of like, wow, face, you know, (laughs) and then when we started to really thrive and see, and we brought back that family that we wanted even as we raised our son on the spectrum, even as he has meltdowns and, you know, even as as he's taken swings at me and and hit me and all those things haven't changed our ability to thrive as a family and love and grow. And, and, you know, once you start living that life, then you get this big giant grin. And then the step after that is, is a picture of our heads exploding (laughs) when other people start to see that and plug in and their families start to repair and recover and that really just explodes our heads. You know, we get people send us messages all the time that say, Kyle, we did the strategy. You know, my daughter who wouldn't take her, her medicine. She was like a bucking Bronco trying to give her her pills is now taking her medicine and she's happy about it. And, and, you know, when people send us those messages, it's just a tremendous thing for us. And it, and it really excites us. And, you know, it takes our happiness to another level to know other people are feeling that as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you are helping so many people and sharing all those thousands of videos, helping, sharing, and providing. So I'm, I'm so thankful for you for doing all that and for coming up with that and sharing everything. You have just been such a treat. Well, thank you so much for having me, Megan. I'm, uh, you and I need to talk later. I want to learn more about your podcasting. Oh, yes, please. Okay. Well, well okay. thank you, Kyle. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. It's been so much fun. It has for me too. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. 
For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out-of-Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Kyle. I, I don't even know what to say. I just, I was so blown away by everything he shared and just the raw honesty an emotion it it just it it cut cut to the, the heart of me and like i had said in the episode when Kyle had shared that video of him shaving his son it was actually a, a listener anita of adventures in autism um and she had tagged me in that post so i had previously not been following Kyle and when she tagged me that I was just I was so touched by it and I was just like ah oh, I gotta get to this guy because I knew that he would make make such a great guest and he definitely delivered so I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation definitely check out their Facebook page Autism Thrive in Chaos they have a whole coaching series which is phenomenal so if you think that's one you would benefit from check it out for sure but the the page and everything he shares is is awesome and he brings that that same honesty and emotion to to everything so that's all for that and if you want to connect with me you can find me on instagram at adventures in autism pod on facebook at adventures in autism podcast or you can email me at adventures in autism 2018 at yahoo.com and again i'm super excited for next week's episode the one year anniversary. I just finished recording that with my surprise co-host. I'm not going to lie. We got a little rowdy. (laughs) It's definitely a, a different kind of an episode, but it was fun. So I hope you guys enjoy that one too. Um, so that's coming up next week and until then take care.